My name's David, and this is my brother Andy, and we're both in the process of starting a campus ministry at San Diego State University. So we're trying to start a challenge, Christian challenge, at San Diego State University, and um, so we just moved out there. He was living in Texas, going to UT Arlington, and I was at uh, Oklahoma University. So um, yeah, without any further ado, let me pray, and then we'll jump into what we're talking about. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much um, for each person in this room and how you've called them to be missionaries to their campus. And I pray that you would just open our eyes to some strategies and different things that we can do to make an impact for you. In Jesus' name, amen. So I believe that the university campus, in my opinion, is the most strategic mission field in the world. And if you think about it, it's like 1% of the population, but that 1% is the most influential 1% of all, all the world. There's Everyone that's a leader, everyone that's like a president or whatever, has come through the university. And if you think about it too, for you guys, you are in one of the most strategic places in your life right now as a college student of any other time in your life. Um, you have the most access to reach out to them because you are one. I mean... If you, if you were like an old guy and you came and just people wouldn't listen to you as much. Um, I really, it's, it's true. Um, there's a, you know, and you think about this, missionaries, a lot of times when we think of missionaries, we think of someone who goes to another culture and learns another language and does all these different things. But I want to challenge you guys to think of your lives as, as a college student, you're in one of the greatest mission fields available and you don't have to learn another language. You don't have to learn another culture. You're already there. You're already in a place where you can have, you already have a sphere of influence in that culture. And so what you need to do is just be a missionary right, right there where God has called you. I love, um, Acts 1-8 is one of my favorite verses. You can jot that down. It's not on your handout or anything. Um, it says, um, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. And if you notice that verse, it doesn't say Jerusalem, and then Judea, and then Samaria, and then the ends of the earth. It says Jerusalem, and Judea, and Samaria, and the ends of the earth. So it's not, a sequ- it's not sequential, it's simultaneous. It's not sequential, it's simultaneous. So while we are, we, we are reaching out on our campus today, where God has put us today, we're also to be reaching the nations. And so thinking about that, like, God wants us to be a missionary now, today, on our campus with the friends that we have. Um, I love, I love uh, C.H. Spurgeon said, every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. That's a, that's a great quote. Every Christian is a mis- either a missionary or an imposter. The Apostle Paul in his sermon um, to the Athenians in, at Mars Hill in, in Acts 17 says, For one man he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each of us. So God decided beforehand that you were going to go to Pueblo, Colorado. You know, God decided beforehand you're going to go to UT Arlington, that you're going to go to Oklahoma. God has set you in exact place and time 
so that you can reach out to the people on your campus. And uh, studying Jesus' instructions um, in, in Luke 10, a guy named uh, Neil Cole, he put together five different things. We're going to look at five aspects of how to really be effectively reach your campus. A guy named Neil, Neil Cole put these together, but we've adopted them as our strategy for how we're going to try to reach San Diego State. And so it's, it's sim- five simple things. Um, and our purpose statement at San Diego State is to live, lo- live like Jesus among every pocket of people at San Diego State. That's our purpose statement. And, um, and we'll, we'll unpack kind of what that means um, later. But I just want to challenge you guys to, to see this stage of your life and, and don't just leave and graduate and get a degree and maybe get a wife or maybe get a husband. You know, don't just leave your college, but you can really leave a legacy while you're in college um, if, you'll, if you'll do some of these things that we're talking about. If, if you guys have your Bibles, you can turn to Luke 10. Um, that's where a lot of our stuff is going to be coming from. So Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 1. Um, this is Jesus' instructions to when he's sending out the 72. And it's, a great, it's a great passage. So I'm going to go ahead and just read it. And then we're going to unpack five principles. It says, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he w- was about to go. He told them, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals. Do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, Peace to this house. If a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. If not, it will return to you. Stay in that house, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages." Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that sticks to to our feet, we wipe off against you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God is near. And there's so many principles that we're not even going to touch in this passage. I encourage you guys to take some time and study this yourself. Study this passage is rich with tons of awesome principles um, for outreach. But we're going we're gonna to highlight, we'll call it like five practices for reaching a campus or five POPs, P-O-Ps, and that's what they all kind of do that. So um, the first one is practice of prayer. Practice of prayer, that's that first blank, is prayer. He said, Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out among lambs, among wolves. So prayer always needs to be the first step in witnessing. And I love, I love this, um, this, this particular passage because Jesus is like, okay, pray that the harvest, pray that God would send laborers into the harvest. And, and you know, it's like, it's kind of a dangerous prayer because when you're, when you're praying for laborers, the very next thing that Jesus tells us to do is go. And I just, it's just kind of funny to me, like so many of us, we're, we're praying for other people to go, but, but we can go right now, wherever we are. You can be someone that goes to whatever people group that God's calling you to go to. Um, I was in uh, Nairobi, Kenya um, a couple summers ago with Focus, and it was an awesome trip. And we were out and we were sharing door-to-door in the, in the dorms, and one night, my, my friend Joe, that was on my team with me, he, 
he was like, okay, let's spend some time in prayer. There's this guy that I reached out to. I want to try to pray for him. And I, at first I was like, man, I need to go out and I need to be like witnessing in the dorms. I don't want to like waste time praying. It was a bad attitude. I, so the whole time I was kind of like halfway praying. I was like, you know, and like looking up like, oh, you know, I hope I'm not wasting my time here. And then, and then we were praying. We're sitting there on the steps outside where we were. And this guy walks up to us, and his name was Teddy. We, t- we, we began to sit, ne- we sat next to him, and he talked with us, and we learned his story. He, he was an orphan. His parents said, um, died of AIDS, and he was there. He was attending the university. And, and that night, we were able to share the gospel with him, and, and he became a Christian. And it was just so awesome that the rest of that, um, the rest of that summer, I was able to disciple him and took him through the purpose-driven life, helped him to grow in his walk with God. And it was just so, like, God just humbled me and showed me that the very time that I was, like, not wanting to pray, whenever I obeyed him and I just went ahead and prayed, God opened that door. And it was just amazing to think about, you know, before we go to them and share, we, know we need to go to God in prayer. Before we go to them and share, we need to go to God in prayer. Um, and that rhymes, so it's fun. Prayer is the thing that made a difference. At the end of our time with Teddy, he, we, we did a video, and he said, he said this. He said, my life has a purpose. I know I have a purpose. And before that, before you guys came, um, I never knew that. And so it was just awesome to think about that and see how, how God changed Teddy's life. And if, if we had not been obedient to pray, God wouldn't have brought that about. Another thing, cool too, side note, is the guy that we were praying for um, ended up becoming a Christian too. <laughs> so God just totally like smacked me in the face and was like, you need to pray. <laughs> and so it's awesome. I've seen that. Also, another trip with Focus, um, our team was in China and we were trying to reach out to the Chinese. And the first three weeks, we were out there and we were getting after it. We were trying to share as much as possible. And, and we weren't seeing any fruit, really. We were, you know, some people listening and stuff, but... We got really discouraged, and we're like, what's, what's going on? And so we, just, we decided something needs to change. And so every morning from that halfway point, we got up in the morning, and we got three-by-five cards, and we put the names of our, of our friends. And we wrote requests on one side and the names on the other side. And every morning our team would get up, and we'd pray over those names. And um, ended up, the last three weeks, um, eight people came to know Christ that summer in China. And the only thing that we did differently from those first three weeks to the second three weeks, was pray for them by name. Pray for those people by name. So it just shows, like, the amount that we pray for our lost friends is showing the amount that we really care about them. If we never lift them up in prayer, if we never are praying for people that God has put into our lives, we're showing that we do not really care enough to sacrifice for them. And that's, that's a conviction to me, too. There's a guy named George Mueller. How many of you heard of George Mueller? Um, there's an awesome quote. Um, really late in his life, he was 63 years old. He said, um, I've been praying 63 years. Well, maybe he's older than 63 since he's praying 63 years. He probably wasn't praying in the womb, but maybe. George Mueller, yeah, he might be. Yeah. Um, 63 years and eight months for one man's conversion. 63 years and eight months for one man's conversion. He has not converted yet, but he will be. How can it be otherwise? There is the unchanging promise of Jehovah, and on that I will rest. When George Mueller died, that man was still unsaved. But when, whenever George Mueller was buried, 
his friend was converted. When he was buried, when he was at the funeral, he was converted. And so 63 years, just think about it, 63 years he was praying for this same guy to become a Christian. And so often we, we don't want to play, pray like six minutes or 63 seconds for someone. So that's, that's my challenge to you guys. Um, there's a Luke 18, 7 and 8 is an awesome verse. It says, And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. That's Luke 18, 7 and 8. And so if we keep passionately praying and God is not going to move on your campus unless Christians start to pray, unless Christians start to pray for their lost friends. And I would challenge you to write down the names of those you have in your life. Make a list. If it's one person, write their name down. If it's two people. So even even just right now as, as Andy's getting up and as we're transitioning, just take a second and just write the names of the people that God has put in your life that he might want you to pray for. And then Andy's going to come up and do point two. So take a second and write down people's names. Okay, cool. So we're going to do a little tag team thing, brother to brother. We're going to go back and forth, so it'll be a lot of fun. Um, you're not done hearing from David, so don't worry. You're going to be like, he's cooler than this guy. <laughs> so the second point we're going to look at, is, it's called pockets of people. Because that's what we're going to be looking for, is pockets of people. So we're going to read this verse there, Luke 10, 1. It says, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. When, when you enter a house, first say, Peace to this house. So what I see here is Jesus was very strategic. He had, about, he had 72 people following him. He, you know, and he wasn't thinking, okay, yeah, I got, I got 72 people. Now I'm going to, you know, if I get uh, 30 more, I'll break the 100 barrier. And if I get 100 more, I'll, we'll get to 200 as a ministry. Yeah, let's do that. That's, that's not Jesus' strategy. He's, he's thinking in a different strategic way. He sees that there's all of these towns out there that need Jesus, that need him. And so he's, he, he breaks up his group into 36 different teams. And he says, go out to all these different towns and just like multiply all over. And you're like, wow, Jesus is doing something big here. And he says to go to the towns. But let's flash back to 2,000 years ago. Think about a town. A town was basically, I don't know how big they were back then. I should study it. But I bet it was just, you know, 50 people or just a a few main key different families, like big families. It's like a, a community of people that spend all their time together. They work together. They eat together. They live together. If you could translate that concept of a town to here, what do you think it would be? Someone can even answer that. If, if, the, if that kind of town idea, what do you think, a town on your campus, what would it be? What do you think? A dorm floor. A dorm floor is a great example. What's another example? A club. A club, yeah, some student club, you know, the ultimate Frisbee club or something like that. What's another example? Keep, say some more. So yeah, international students, or even a specific group of international students. Um, it could be a sports team. It could be a fraternity, a sorority. It could be a chess club. There's just there's so many different ways that little towns can be formed. I noticed that with freshmen that come in, 
like little groups of eight to ten, like form little close little groups of friends that are friends for the rest of college, like pretty much, or at least a couple years. And that's a little town in itself too. What we want to do on our campus is we want to reach these towns, which is we're calling pockets of people, little pockets of people. We want to we want to reach out to there. Here we got we got two things here. Right here we have a we have a pancake. All right, it looks very tasty from Waffle House. Yeah, yeah. We had to, we had to pull some strings. Pancake. Yeah, and here is a yeah, and here is a waffle. Yeah, lovely, right? There's, <laughs> there's two different ways to look at your campus. A lot of campus ministries, they tend to view the campus almost like it's a pancake. And let me explain. <laughs> we also have syrup. you got to have syrup with the pancake, right? And uh, this syrup is representing the gospel. And Christians carrying the gospel and taking it into the lost world. Here's the campus. It's a, it's a pancake, right? You know, if we're a Christian group on campus, then we've got the gospel, yeah. And uh, we've got the syrup. We're thinking, okay, you know, we got a group of 70 or whatever. If we could just keep focusing on this, this middle of this pancake, our group of 70, and just grow it and grow it to 100, and then, and then keep it in the middle there. Somehow, if we eventually do it, the, 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 the syrup will spread to all the edges of the pancake, and it will cover the whole thing. But if you haven't noticed, it doesn't really work like that. It, campus ministries, for some reason, they tend to not get bigger than a certain point a lot of times. I mean, there's a few that get up to a 1,000 or whatever, but most of them are like 40 or 50 people or even smaller. It's because there's a certain size of a community that people, once it's bigger than that, people are like, I don't belong here anymore. I need to find some other group. And then I actually feel like I belong. What we need to do as, as ministries is to have a multiplicative um, thinking. We need to think that the campus is like a waffle, and it's like this huge, has this huge array of tons of different little pockets on it. That in each and every little pocket needs the gospel. And needs Christians carrying the gospel into it. And so, we've got the syrup. So we need to, like Jesus, get into different teams of, of small teams and go into these different little pockets and start com- Jesus' communities among them. So one example is, you know, Someone goes into a fraternity and pours a little pot syrup into that pocket. Someone says, oh, I'm going to, I love Ultimate Frisbee that my friend here, Doug, does. And I'm going to go in there and try to be a light there. On my dorm floor, I'm going to be a light there and pour the syrup into there. I'm going to reach these uh, Indian students. I'm going to move into the Indian students where all they live in their apartment complex. All for this sake. And... What we need to do is just multiply and just try to fill as many of these pockets as possible. And that, and only then will we make a dent on this huge campus. I mean, have you ever thought about how big is your campus ministry? It's, it's probably, uh, most of them are, you know, maybe they're 40, 50 people. OU has a really big one, you know, 200 or whatever. But what percent is that of the whole campus? Even if you have two or 300 people. What, what percent? I mean, well, to one percent, maybe? It's, it's, it's not enough. We gotta do something different. And so that's what our challenge is. We're gonna talk about how 
how to do that now. I dropped my notes on the ground. Um, one, one pocket that I, I decided to try to reach out to on San Diego State's campus was this group of international students, a lot of them that were exchange students. So they had this thing every Friday at 12 o'clock to 12 o'clock to about 2 o'clock, about 100 international students. I didn't organize this. The campus did. They would all come to this one place, have this like really cheap lunch, and then they would just talk and for like two hours. And I would just go there every single, every week, for like almost every single week. And, and I would just meet tons of people and just talk to them, make friends with them. After that, I decided, okay, why don't I have a welcome to America party? I was like, okay. And so I invited them to my parents' house and we had a, a welcome to America party. So I started making all these friends with the people from this one group that I went every Friday to. And once people came there, I got to find out some different people that were interested in a Bible study. And then, so the next week, I started a Bible study and, uh, on campus. And so during the semester, we, had a, we, we got to share the gospel with a bunch of different people. But there, and there's this one guy. His name is Brandon, and he was from Korea. But he came to my, that, that party at my parents' house, the Welcome to America party. And since then, I could just totally see God was working on him. And so what I decided to do was I decided to try to meet up with him. And we met up at Starbucks and I just started talking. And, um, and I just started to share about Jesus with him. And he was just totally ready to, to, to learn more and to grow. And, and he, he ended up believing in Christ right really soon after that. And then, then later, like the next week, he brought his sister to meet with me. And his sister also believed in Christ. Really soon after that, we baptized both of them at the beach, brother and sister together. It was just a really exciting thing. So from this one, this time of a regular going to a specific pocket of people, we got to see them two come to Christ. Another, another Chinese guy, he received Christ. And then a whole bunch of other people got to hear the gospel. And this wasn't just me doing it alone. My brother was also there a lot and another friend of mine also. But it was so exciting to see God work among that pocket. Another pocket that I'm uh, was starting to reach some was uh, was the band members. Now I don't have anything to do with band. Like I, I I never played the French horn or anything like that. But I met a guy and he's in the band. And uh, so I was like, well, maybe you know he can reach out to band members. And so I I started to meet with him and I'm trying to get him to start thinking that he can reach out to band members. We haven't got very far with it yet, but I'm hoping that something will really happen there. Because we, we've only been at Campus Ministry for six months, or four months, or this, this, just this last semester. So it's exciting to see what God will do. But yeah, that's enough for me now, and Dave's going to come back up. So The next, next point is the power of presence. And, you know, it does kind of make sense that if you want the gospel to have an effect, it's got to have something to stick. It's got to stick to the people. And so there's, it's, it's this great verse, um, Luke 10, 8 and 9. It says, When you enter a house and are welcomed, eat what is set before you, heal the sick who are there, and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. Underline that word near you. The kingdom of God is near you. That's the power of presence. That's that next point. The power of presence. And if you look at this verse, just this one verse, the verbs in this verse are enter, 
Circle the word enter. And then eat. Circle that. I like that one a lot. That's great. And heal. And then tell. Enter, eat, heal, and tell. So you think about this. We need to enter whatever community that you're trying to be a part of. You need to have a way of becoming an insider into that group. You need to enter that group. Eat, eat with them. Do life with them. Play with them. Hang out with them. Do what they normally do, but just do, it, do what you normally do, but do it with them. Heal the sick. You guys might not all have the gift of healing. That's okay. But what you do have is you can meet needs. You can find needs that people have, and you can help them. And, and I want to challenge you guys. Maybe God does want to use you guys to heal people. I mean, that's not out of the realm of possibility, just like Tim Elmore was talking about. Um, so believe God can do that, because he really can, and he wants to do that. Um, the, the next thing is, is tell the message of Christ. So after you've entered, after you've eaten with people, after you've healed the sick, then, it, like it, Tim Elmore was talking about, you've kind of earned the right to, to tell them about Christ. And, and, and it's all about bringing the kingdom of God near to them. That's what evangelism is about. My brother and I, we based a lot of our ministry on a passage of Scripture called Colossians 4, 2-6. I love this passage. It's my favorite passage probably in all the Bible. And it's basically Paul telling about how... And I think Paul Hemphill uh, talked about it a little bit. But I, I just love this passage. I'm, I'm going to read it to you guys. If you want to turn to Colossians 4 in your Bibles... It's a great verse, and I'll just, I'm going to break it down, because this is what it means to have that power of the presence. Um, it says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too that God may open the door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly, as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. There's a, there's a ton in that, ver, in that passage. Again, study it for yourself. There's three things that stick out to me um, that we need to, how we need to reach out. The first is our prayers. Second is our practices. And third is our preaching. And a simple way of putting this is prayer, care, and share. If we'll do those three things among people, when we're living with people, that is going to be the, the, the way that we can really reach out to Him. So the first is prayer. I already talked about this. Um, in that first verse, it says, Devote yourselves to prayer. Um, circle that word, devote. And, and we've, really, I mean, we've already talked about it, so I'm not going to camp out there. But really, you need to be praying for people. Second is care. Care. In verses 5 and 6, it says, Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so you may know how to answer everyone. And see, the funny thing is it says, be wise in the way that you act towards outsiders. And it's fun, the, in order to be wise in the way you act towards outsiders, you actually have to act towards outsiders. <laughs> you actually have to have some friends that don't believe in God. Um, one thing I love about being um, in, in San Diego is um, most of my friends are not Christians. And it's just a totally different experience um, because, like, I don't know, it's just, just being there. And, and, and when, you, when you get time around non-believers, when you get time around people, God begins to grow your heart. God begins to give you such a love for them because you just realize that, the, that they have the same problems, they have the same needs, 
as, as all of us. And it's not just an us versus them, but, but it's just like, kind of like the Dorothy thing, like bring them along with you and share with them. There's one guy named Eduardo that came. Um, some of you guys might know him. He is a guy, exchange student from Mexico. He came to OU to study. And when I, when I was in college, um, he came to one of our Bible studies that we had on the, on the floor. And my brother Paul, he like really like loved him at the Bible study. And he was like talking to him. And then um, I, we kind of tag teamed. We'd do that sometimes to be like, hey, get, you, get in there. And then I, I, I like hung out with him. And that night, I took him to play pool. And we played pool. And I beat him. Um, it's very important to do. When you're sharing the gospel, make sure you um, humiliate them because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And so, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. I, and, then, and then I shared the gospel with him. And I got to, I did the whole track thing. I shared the track and he, he sat there and he's like, well, I think I am halfway Christian right now. And I was like, okay, well, you can't really be halfway Christian. But I was like... Okay, we'll, we'll hang out with you. And, and so we just kept inviting him to stuff. We kept hanging out with him. We kept doing fun stuff. We'd take crazy Walmart runs with him. Um, and he, he became kind of like a part of our group. And eventually, um, we invited him to a conference kind of like this, but it was like out in the woods. Um, and we went there, and it was time for quiet time. And he didn't really know what that was. And so we were like, hey, you just come with us. And so we, we decided, you know, it would be good. Why don't we just have our quiet time over John chapter 3? That would be great. Um, <laughs> and so we're like, when we, have our, when we have our quiet time, we like to have an application. And we were like, so after reading John chapter 3, what do you think your application is for this? And he said, I want to be born again. And we're like, right answer. <laughs> you get, that was good. Um, and so we ended up like praying with him right there. And um, he became a Christian, and he was born again. And it was just such an amazing thing, because now on Facebook, he changed his birthday to his spiritual birthday, not his uh, original birthday. And so it's just really cool. He just um, is, is walking with God. He's living in Mexico now, and he's trying to reach out to his family there and his friends there. And so um, that was just a really cool example of how, if, if I would have just shared with him that first night, and I would have said, okay... Well, he doesn't really understand the gospel, and he's not really wanting the gospel right now. And I just like left him, and I'm like, oh, peace out, I'm going to go share with someone else. Um, we never would have had that opportunity um, to lead him to Christ. Because it was the process of him taking one step closer. And then, you know, coming to the Bible study was the first step. And then maybe, you know, playing pool with me, hanging out, and then me sharing the gospel. And then those other times we went to Walmart. And the times that we were, you know, getting to invite him to our large group meeting... And then coming to the conference, and then finally that point where he becomes a Christian, all those things were in relationship in the context of that. So it's, it's pretty awesome. Um, that, and I think a lot of it had to do with we just had fun together. And so with the loss, the power of presence, a big part of that is you just knowing how to have fun in a godly way and doing that. I love uh, Psalm 126.2. Um, it says, We were filled with laughter and we sang for joy. And the other nations said, What amazing things the Lord has done for them. And so your laughter can be a light. And you can use fun in order to reach people. There's a little uh, rhyme thing that I like to use. I always like rhymes. Uh, be winsome so you can win some. Okay. Aha. In this verse, though, 126.2. Psalm 126.2. We were filled with laughter and we sang for joy and the other nations said, What amazing things the Lord has done for them. Colossians 4.6 
in that passage says, Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. And I know college students like food, so we're going to have more food. So um, everyone take a Pringle and pass it down. And then I, and you can, when you get it, you can um, just take a bite and savor, savor the flavor. Just kind of let it marinate in your mouth a little bit. You can chew it up, whatever you want to do. But just take one and pass it. It's pretty cool. It's good. Yeah, I know. I like we have some nibblers. We have the the crunchers. We have the people that that do the duck thing in their mouth with the Pringles. Those are cool. But when you eat a Pringle, some of you that already ate one, go ahead and eat it. You guys. Sorry, you guys can have your opportunity. Mm, that's good. What's something that you're experiencing after you eat the Pringle? What do you, how do you feel? What? Thirsty? Yeah? Okay. Anyone else? You can't stop now that you pop. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, so you want another one. Bet you can't eat just one. You want one. They want one. Can you pass it out that way? They all need one. And so I think the, the illustration here, it says, let your conversations be seasoned with salt. And that's the effect of salt. When we live salty Christian lives, when we live lives that are contagious, we live lives that make people, like Shane said, thirst, thirsty, make people thirst for God. And then the other thing is we, we make them want to have another conversation. We make them want to have another experience with us. It's not just, um, have any, any of you guys had eggs in the morning and you had one of those salt shakers that just let the salt just flow out like Niagara Falls and it ends up covering your egg with salt and you, you take a bite and it's just like the most like disgusting, like ugh, rank thing. Sometimes I think that's how people feel after we share the gospel with them. Like, we, we do this, this righteous dump of all this salt, and we, we try to do all this different stuff all at once, and then they end up with kind of a bitter taste in their mouth. And it doesn't end up tasting good. But, but if we'll season our conversations with salt, and we'll take opportunities that God has given us, and say small things that will lead towards an opportunity to share the entire gospel, that is going to make them want to come back for more. They're going to want to keep coming back, and once you pop, the fun don't stop, like Matt said. And so, and so that's really what, what this idea of salt is, living a salty Christian light. And the other thing is, in order for the salt to have its effect, it's got to come out of the salt shaker. And so you've got to be actually on the food in order to make a difference. And so you have to be, that is the power of presence, being in and among this whatever pocket of people God has placed you in. Um, to do that. And then finally, after you've prayed for them, after you've care, cared for them, you got to share with them. And this verse, um, Colossians 4, again, I'll just read some key parts. It says, So that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly. Let your conversation always be full of grace, so that you may know how to answer everyone. All those things are proclaim, proclaim, conversation, answer, it's not enough just to have fun with people. It's not enough just to care about people. But we need to be sharing with our words. There's a saying I love. It says, uh, preach the gospel at all times and when necessary, use words. 
I love that quote. It's great. And, but I would say it is necessary. <laughs> we have to preach with our mouths and with our lives. And, and actually, Tim talked about it in kind of the outline that I like. It's the three-story evangelism. It's the, you hear their story. Um, there's a acrostic called FIRE. Um, I don't know if you guys have heard of it. The F stands for find common ground. Find common ground with a person, whatever they're doing. Um, you try to find some way to connect something. Um, like, like they talked about, the lower back thing. That's a perfect example. The next is interests. What are their hobbies? What are they interested in? And what do they like to do for fun? So find common ground. Interests. R is relationships. Um, what about their family? Are they dating anyone? Whatever. And then E is their experience with God. Do they go to church? What have, What is your experience with God been? What do you? What is your opinion of? Do you have any spiritual beliefs or anything? So if you do that, you listen to their story, then that gives you an opportunity to share your story, share a simple testimony of what God's done in your life. And as you do that, after you do that, you can ask them. You know, have you ever, have you ever had anything like that happen to you? Have, have, have you ever had God change your life like that? And if they say no, you're like, well, do you mind if I share with you just real quick, you know, a couple of minutes, how you can have a relationship with God? And then you can, then you can go into sharing God's story. So you hear their story, you share your story, and then you share God's story. I, I, I love this simple bridge illustration. That's a great one. Um, also, uh, I, like, I like using tracks. Um, I think Christians are scared of tracks, but... Um, non-believers aren't as scared if we use them in the right way. Um, I think if you use it in a loving way, it really, really, it's really helpful um, for doing that. Another thing is, uh, um, we call it the, Bill Hybels made it up, it's called the do-done strategy. The difference between most religions is it's all about doing things. You write a do on your paper, and you say it's all about doing, it's all, it's all about earning your way to heaven, you know. Islam, you know, they got the five pillars, and Buddhism, you know, try to follow Buddha's teachings, and Hinduism, you try to do all these different things to get to God. But the Christianity, it's about what's been done for us, and you, draw, you, you write an N and an E, done. And it's what Christ has done for us. He, all, he did everything so that we don't have to do anything, so that we can have a relationship with him. He lived a perfect life for us, and he died for us. And so that's a really simple way. But find a way to share the gospel and do it. Um, it's kind of like Nike evangelism. Just do it. <laughs> so um, I'm, I'm re- I really encourage you guys to do that. Um, there's a three-step process that Mike Middleberg, uh, author of Contagious Christian, Becoming a Contagious Christian, says. One, pray. Two, take a deep breath. Three, let it rip. So that's a good three-step process of doing it. Um, so now Andy is going to talk about the next point. Um, so give him a hand. Okay, cool. So we got the, the practice of prayer, pockets of people, and we got the power of presence. Once you're, you're, you're at, you got a group, you got a teammate, you guys are trying to have a presence among this group. Really sharing the gospel, you're, you're caring for them, you're praying for them. So what do you do now? The, the fourth point is you want to be looking and praying for a specific kind of person. And this is a person of peace. A person of peace. This, this is a certain type of person that the Bible talks about. And that, that as you do work, you'll see that God has these certain special people in mind. They're going to be like the key to reaching this, this pocket of people. So when we look at this verse here, all right, it says, When you enter a house, first say, Peace to this house. If a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. 
If not, it will return to you. Stay in that house, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. Now, I don't know like what the whole thing means there when it says peace to this house, and if the peace rests there, peace seems so intangible. I don't know like where the peace goes, but I don't know. From what I understand this, it sounds to me like you go to a house and you try to be someone's friend. You try to show friendship to that person. You bring peace to them. And if they take that friendship, then you can go further. But if they say, no, I don't want to be your friend, then you got to go on to the next next place. I don't know. Think, think of like friendship when you read that. I don't know. Maybe it won't be quite as confusing. Maybe that will help. Why do you think it says, do not move from house to house? Any ideas? Or someone might could say something. Why does it say, don't, do not move from house to house? What do you think? Anyone? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, um, yeah, you, you know, you, well, basically it's because, you know, you found a person, so you should stay there. Like, you know, someone has, uh, you know, shown interest in what you're doing, and they've shown, uh, like, they want to be friends with you, so, man, stick with that person and, and really give your life to them and invest into them. So um, there's, there's three things that to look for in this kind of person. It's one, that they're receptive to the gospel. Two, uh, they're relationally connected to other people. And three, they're, they're, they have a reputation, whether good or bad. Um, this person is kind of, can be kind of like a, a domino or a first domino. And uh, you know how you, when you're a kid, you set up all the dominoes in this row and then you knock down the first one and the first one, they keep knocking down each other like that. Um, this can be kind of like that for this group of people. If you've ever seen a group of people, and then you're like, man, if that person would believe, man, it could just... So many people, others might believe also, if just that one person would be reached. And so you want to look for these types of people and, and pray for them. Um, in the Bible, we see different examples. One was uh, the woman at the well. Um, Jesus met the woman there and uh, shared with her, and she got all excited and went, went back into the city and then told all these people her testimony. The guy that told me everything I've ever known, you know, about me, everything I've ever, ever, yeah, something like that. <laughs> but um, and then all those people in that town, like tons of them, believed. And uh, another example was in Acts. Uh, this man named Cor- Cornelius, and uh, he had a, a really good reputation, like. He was seen as a really good, God-fearing man. But um, Peter came to him. Uh, They both had dreams. And then uh, Peter met with him and shared. And then him and his whole household believed. And we don't know how many people were there that believed, but maybe a lot. Um, So God uses these specific people as like a first domino and key people that can reach a lot of others. And so we want to look and pray for those type of people. Uh, A a really good, cool experience I had a in um, uh, seeing a person like that. It was uh, when I was in China one summer, and uh, one of the guys on my team I was with, he, uh, we, we were out sharing with different people, and my friend had uh, shared the gospel with a couple of friends, and he shared with this uh, one guy who, who believed in Christ, like, like right away, I think. And, um, and, uh, and, but, and then he, my friend my, on my team had got got his friends and got this guy excited about inviting other people 
to, to hear the gospel and to share with his friends. So what he did, this guy that my, my friend led to Christ was a sort of like a TA, but um, basically he was like, like the teacher's um, assistant, but he was kind of the shepherd for the whole class. Like he was the kind of this leader that makes sure everyone does their homework, I guess, or makes sure they're on time and they're staying out of trouble. Yeah, I don't know. An official leader, though. And um, so this leader of this whole class of like 40 people um, came to Christ, and um, and then he he what he did is he he invited his whole class to come to the classroom on the campus, and so. 40 people about, or 35 to 40 people, something like that, show up in this, in China, in this communist classroom. And, uh, my, my friend, me and my friend, we walk into this communist classroom, and then there's 40, or students in there. And we're like, whoa! <laughs> and, and then we're like, okay. And we're trying to talk to, we find, we find Jane, this is the guy that, uh, the leader of the, and we're like, okay, now, they were all studying and stuff. Now, do these people, are they here to, study the Bible? Are they, do they want to learn about Jesus? And he's like, yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. And we're like, are you sure? They, like, they look like they're studying. It totally looked like a big study hall, like this big classroom. And so we're like, are you sure? So like, he went around and talked to him. I think, yeah, do you want to learn about Jesus? Do you want to learn about Jesus or whatever? And yeah, they, all 35 of them, they wanted to learn about Jesus and wanted to be there. <laughs> wanted to be there. So we were like, me and my uh, team were like, what do we do? There's like so many people to share with. And um, what we ended up doing was we ended up separating into, I think, uh, six different groups, um, all in one classroom. And all, all uh, five of the groups were sharing the gospel the first time. One group was doing some follow-up. Um, and so all those people got to hear the gospel at one time in this communist classroom. <laughs> and um, all of them had a positive response. Like, they were, they were very interested in the gospel. Like, I don't know if any of them were, were rejected it, um, like, a lot. Or like, you know, didn't want to believe it really strongly. Um, and so after that, we, we got to see, I think, about ten people or, or so of that group get baptized and um, we were following up with them, and um, and so <laughs> it was it was really amazing. Like God really used this this person of peace, this leader of this group, and we were my team was just blown away. We did, we were like totally excited. It, I mean, it was totally a God thing, like not us. <laughs> so he he did that totally. But God really has special people. He wants to to point to get, and then a lot of other people will be reached. Um, so that's the person of peace. Huh? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah, he's kind of one too. Yeah. I guess I had another friend, uh, um, and he, uh, uh, yeah, he, so he, he, he was actually, uh, this guy, and he was dating a non, a non-Christian, but, um, he really wasn't walking with God himself, and, um, but somehow his girlfriend asked me to, to start a Bible study, uh, at their place. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, and she's not, she's not a Christian, you know. I'm like, I guess that's an open door. <laughs> so I go there and, um, we start a Bible study and the, the first night, uh, like, she ends up accepting Christ and, um, uh, Trevor, the, the guy, he, he got really excited, kind of, sort of like recommitting his life to Christ or starting to walk with God. And, um, 
it was just really exciting. Uh, then they started inviting some other friends to the group. Um, we started a Bible study meeting every week. And uh, uh, another guy recommitted his life to Christ. And there's a couple of non-Christians um, coming. I believe that um, maybe we'll, soon we'll believe, hopefully. And so God is kind of reaching into this another pocket of, of people right there. And uh, so that's exciting. Um, the fifth thing is the people of purpose. People of purpose. So, what, what's our purpose in this whole thing? Our purpose is what, what I'm going to call a Jesus community is started among this, this group, this pocket of people. A Jesus community. That there, there is a group of Christians that are walking with God and they're living for Him and they're trying to fulfill the Great Commission. So, and that's what I'm going to share about. It's the Great Commandment and the Great Commission. Let's read that. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So you want to, you want to see a group of people formed that love God and love people. And that's what it's all about. Everything else hangs off those two things. That's your purpose. And the, the, the other thing is the Great Commission. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. You want to obey those four verbs. <laughs> go, make disciples, baptize them, and teach them to obey Jesus. So, Go. Where are you going to go, you guys? You know, what, what group of people, what pocket of group of people can you engage and go there and spend regular time there and love the people there? How can you make disciples? I think making disciples is about getting close to people. Um, not just sharing with them and teaching them things randomly, but getting really close to their life and doing life with them really closely. Uh, whether they're non-Christian or Christian, but in that whole process that you get close to them. And then baptize them. You want to see them get baptized. Uh, wouldn't it be cool if you were that close to a person that they said, I want you to baptize me? You know, wouldn't that be exciting? <laughs> wouldn't that be cool? Like, I think all of you guys would want to experience that. And um, so think about that. Like, what if you gave your life to someone that much that they're like, you got to baptize them yourself. That, that is an exciting thing. Um, the other thing is to teach them to obey Jesus. And to not just go make disciples but and baptize them, but stick with them and, and teach them all about um, following Jesus and, and stick with them over a long haul. And I actually want you to put a fifth thing there, is to multiply disciples. So that's a fifth, I've put a fifth thing right, right below that. Multiply disciples. Because we know in this Great Commission, like Max was saying earlier, he said, what did he just get done commanding uh, them to do? To make disciples. And then he says, teach them everything I said. So if you didn't teach them how to make disciples, you didn't actually teach them everything. <laughs> so uh, you, ne- you need to multiply disciples. Teach them to do the same thing that you did to them. So, what I think we need is, we need a new kind of Christian community on college campuses. We need a type of Christian 
community that gets the close fellowship, but then at times you guys say to one another, I love you, but I got to go hang out with the lost. I love you, and I really want to go to your, your cool little party where you're playing Guitar Hero with only Christian friends, but I got to go hang out with the lost. I got to go hang out with this another pocket of people I'm trying to reach. And that's okay with your Christian, your Christian friends. They, that, you, that the community understands that there's important things for you to do to not spend all your time only with Christians. We need to support that kind of community. I love you, but I got to go. <laughs> you don't need another Bible study, probably. You need to get active with what God's doing, and, um, and He will change you so much more inside than any Bible study could, I believe. Um, uh, I want us to uh, stand up for a second. And um, if we can actually... Who, which side of the room has more people? I think, I think this side does. But, so every, can everyone come to this side of the room? We're going to go back to your chairs. We're almost done. But um, if you could circle around this whole bigger thing of chairs here and face inside, face the chairs, but make a big circle around the, these chairs. Yeah, like that. Wow, you guys are so good. <laughs> All right. Um, so actually, I want us to hold hands. I know, you know. Hands yeah, hands. yeah. Um, so this is, um, this could be called a, a, a picture of a Christian community, right? Right here, right? You know, we're, we're in a circle, we're united, we're, we're holding hands, it's so nice and lovey-dovey, we're supposed to love each other, you know? Um, you know, so what, what are some good things about this? You know, we're, we're, you know we, we're, we're encouraging one another, we're strengthened together. But what is wrong with this picture of Christian community? Yeah, exactly. Our whole attention and our whole focus is that we, we're inward. And we're focused on each other. We want to build each other up. And, and we're focused here. When there's a whole world all around outside of us that is lost and dying without Christ. And we're focused inward. What we need to think of is a new kind of Christianity. A new kind of living for Jesus. That we are united still. But we turn around. Everyone turn around. And grab hands again. We're still united in fellowship. We still build one another up. We still meet together to edify one another. But we're focused on the lost. And we see them and we love them. And we're, we're, each one of us is outward focused like this. Um, just think about this and uh, well, let me pray and we'll be done. Uh, Father, help us to live outwardly focused and to engage all different kinds of pockets of people on our campus. We can't do this on our own. We need your help. It's really hard, God. But we know you can do it. And thank you for Jesus. And that he really does the work. Amen.